This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's up, automotive aftermarket peeps? Welcome back to another episode of Remarkable Results Radio. Our goal is to help advance the service aftermarket, always by supporting your business acumen and personal professional development one episode at a time. Today, I'm with Justin Allen from Hunter Engineering. Hey, Justin. Hey, Carm. Good morning. Hey, good to have you here, my friend. Uh, You and I did an episode 2019, August. When it was a whole different world. It was. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the point. Here we are three years later and nothing's the same. That's it. Revolutionized. And we were so naive. I mean, you see, we were a little naive in in 83. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a kind of a guy who thinks of my life in decades. Okay. The 10 year decades, you know, the 20s and then the 30s and then you're 40 and 50. and, and, And so many different things seem to evolutionize is that a right word or change yeah i guess the word is evolve and how many times we get together with friends and we say do you remember you know remember the classic rock and god there were no better times than them and all that stuff the best times are always right now though right isn't that the way we should approach it right now is the best time yeah and in 20 years we're gonna look back and say god give me 2022 again only i could have that right 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 Give me the 20s. <laughs> Accomplish more by starting now. That's the motto of Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care exclusively endorsed vendor. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, measure and manage labor, and how you can create net profit. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? is the number for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Our thoughts here is to talk about trends in equipment. As a Hunter Engineering rep and a very successful one at that, I saw you at ASTE. You know, we do video tours of shops and God, we see this new piece of equipment and that new piece of equipment. Then I Actually was up close to a road force balancer at a shop in Philly recently and asking them all about it. Because back in the day, I sold equipment. So, you know, I've been out of that loop for so, so long, but I still appreciate it. You know, what's the ROI and and how do you justify purchasing a piece of equipment? And then what's new? So trends, my friend, uh, that are going on not only with Hunter, but in the industry as far as equipment is concerned. Trends that are occurring right now, if you look at the big picture are probably ideas about automation. You know, the concept of big data has not, we've not been missed by big data when it comes to equipment in the automotive industry. So many ways to track your efficiency and your productivity that uh, we've found manufacturers are trying to find ways to incorporate that into what you're doing day to day, whether that's counting the number of uses of your road force balance or your tire changer, your alignment machine, all that kind of stuff. There are so many ways that we can improve our position by just really understanding how much data we have to work with, you know, so when we incorporate that into, so I'd say the automation and the data is a big part of it. We recently did an episode on alignments with Joe Hansen and he mentioned Hunter Quick Lane. Yeah. So that uh, our quick check drive system is what that is. Great episode. I thoroughly enjoyed hearing them talk about that. In fact, in the independent market, of course, that is absolutely a big part of that piece of machinery that is getting so much information. Like he was mentioning the digital photos of the vehicle and the actual alignment measurements of total toe and camber all the way around that stuff. We can talk about it all we want to as far as percentages of cars that are rolling into shops that need this or that. But that machine just proves it out all day long. 
Yeah, please go to my website, type in alignment and listen to that episode. And Joe brought spreadsheets to show that that investment in the uh, 50,000 plus, I think, area is going to pay for itself in one year. Oh, yeah. I think he said he did it even faster than that. It was interesting. And that's the thing about it. It's no, it's not opinions, right? I think in our industry for so long, our customers, they depend on us and our information, our wisdom and knowledge to tell them what they need. And they're going to trust us for that, assuming that we have a healthy relationship, which of course is how sometimes some businesses in our industry have a bad reputation for, you know, oh no, we've been taken advantage of, we take advantage of women, those kinds of things that we're all working so hard to change that image of the industry. But that's what the beauty of that kind of equipment is, that it's completely objective. It's nobody's opinion. It's just, here's what your car did. Would you like us to do something with it? You know, and they can see it on the screen. They can see it printed out immediately. And it, it takes, it eliminates an opportunity for an argument or an opportunity for a customer to not believe you. A dirty air filter is great, right? When we can show you the dirty air filter, I can show you how your rotor has the veins sticking out because you ground all the, the metal off the surface of it. And when we can show you exactly what your alignment's doing and why your tires are doing this thing on the edges that you can see in person, that kind of stuff, that's powerful. Because it's, like I say, it's just one less reason for the customer to have a dispute with you about what their car does or does not need. I have a burning desire to know from you. Yeah, you sell equipment, but it, what's your real role with the shop owner? For good salespeople, because it's a world full of all kinds, right? I'd say for good people, it's we're to be an asset, right? I mean, I feel like I go arm in arm with my shop owners to face this battle every day. And the battle is rusted nuts and bolts. And the battle is technology that is evolving so quickly that we can't seem to stay on top of it. The battle is sometimes customers who are facing the pressures of how expensive their groceries are that they can't come to terms with the actual expenses of maintaining a vehicle. And so I view myself as just a, a part, a brother in arms, so to speak, right? Are you following up and saying, listen, we've got to do some more marketing. You're not selling enough tires based on the new equipment. Are you kind of trying to spur along the reason they bought the piece of equipment? Oh, sure. I, I mean, that conversation starts out long before we're even looking at equipment. The idea to me is if you're going to invest in whatever product I'm selling and I can't turn you into a, a reference point. If you're not being successful with the equipment, then something went wrong. Either I didn't understand your needs appropriately or your motivation appropriately, or I sold you the wrong product because a sales rep who is pushing equipment off the truck and not ensuring your success with that product, then they are not looking for a long-term career in sales. <laughs> pushing equipment off the truck. I just got this mental picture of off doom and then drive away. Yeah, it happens. Drop ship equipment, you know, customers trying to assemble their own stuff and take care of it. I want to be clear in this moment with you as, of course, I do work for a Hunter Engineering Company and I'm so passionate about the company I work for and the way we do it. I don't want anyone feeling for a moment that I'm here to sell product in that sense, even in this moment. You know, I think that it's important that we remember that there are people out there today that can build a house with an eight ounce claw hammer and a hand crank drill and a Phillips screwdriver. Did you ever see the Woodwright shop on PBS, that TV show? Oh, yeah. And so I think I still catch episodes every now and then of this man who's using such rudimentary tools to get things accomplished. I have so much respect for that. To me, at the end of the day, I don't, the talent of the individual using the equipment is what really dictates their success and their good times with it, you know? And so as much as I love what we bring to the table, and I, I believe that we bring a lot of amazing, glorious ideas out there, the spectrum of equipment 
the needs that people have and what's best for their business and what they're comfortable investing in is going to, is very diverse. And I'm just here to help people no matter what their situation is, you know. It's humbling to watch that PBS show. Yeah. Just stop and think for a moment what it took to build a barn, just a barn. Oh, absolutely. How about a chair? Trust me, I think chairs are the most complicated thing in the world. Let me see. Let's spin this and, and lay the, that. And so anyway, I find, I don't know why, I find chairs amazing. So you're an information guy. Yeah, you're a salesperson, but you know enough about that business and the struggles to make a profit and, you know, the sales, the marketing side, and probably a lot about the HR side because shop owners, I'm sure, share with you. So, Carm, what's going on today? Oh, Justin, you don't want to know. Golly. And and you listen and you learn and you continue to take this in, maybe offer some advice, not that you're a business coach, but yeah, kind of you are because you're out there with hundreds of people every day seeing what success looks like. I do get the most interesting questions because yes, I don't consider myself a business coach in that sense at all. We have so many beautiful coaches that are plugged into you and your program that we both interact with. But yeah, the questions I get because of the relationship that they do, I think they believe it, right? They understand that we're in this together. It is fascinating. And boy, the human resources part of it, that is, I think that's the biggest challenge for shop owners. And we watch the spectrum of the guy that starts his own shop, wants to build up and have, you know, 15 guys working for him or whatever. And then years pass and he's like, never mind. I'm so sick of the people. Give me a two-bay shop and it'll just be me and I'll be fine. You know, you see that kind of growth pattern for a lot of people because of the difficulty and challenges of humans. So interesting. We did a show recently where a shop owner bought a diesel operation and then integrated into his one of his buildings. And the owner who sold it to him is leading it. And it, it prompted me to think, Justin, about dialogue that I had many years ago about an auto mall, and I don't want to repeat this and bore my audience because we just spoke about it recently. But why, if you're at the saturation point, listen, I don't want to write checks anymore. I don't want to deal with the government and the accountant and all this stuff. I don't, I don't want to, where are my ads going to be placed in my marketing? Listen, here's my business. I love working in the base. I, in fact, I love Diag. Here's my business. Here's the number. Can I work for you? We hear so much about technicians who try to become shop owners and how different that is. I think the quote that I hear often is like, it's to bake muffins is not the same as owning a bakery, right? You know, and so, yeah, the technicians that become shop owners because they have these glorious ideas of growth and it can happen. We've all seen it happen. There are some amazing technician shop owners. But yeah, I think sometimes they really prefer to just the peace and the Zen moment of being under that hood and diagnosing the concern and handling it and not worrying about whether or not their service writer's child is at home sick and they can't be there on time. Hey, Carm here. Just to let you know that Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category. Ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa Auto Care has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing through the already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care specific offerings. 
You also get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels. You can also utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care Sales Driver Promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. And this includes free email marketing, digital and print point of sale materials. Also connect a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized Napa brand. Also partner with Napa Smart Sign to educate customers with engaging video that tell the why behind the needed repair or service. You can access editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Also offer a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay Consumer Financing. Stay top of mind with your business name embossed on the credit card. Also have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. Hey, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa know-how for all national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Let's talk about business plans. Uh, You sit down with an individual and says, listen, here's the numbers. Do you force the shop owner, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but to say, listen, let me help you with the business plan? I think one thing that I'm able to do, because again, it's about perspective, right? Most of our shop owners, this is their perspective. And with the communities that we're plugged in, whether that's auto shop owners group or things that you do out at Apex or whatever, the number of shop owners that are being proactive and are plugging into that as a percentage of our industry, aren't the numbers floating around somewhere between five and 15% of automotive shop owners are engaged in active training and growth. As far as on the scale of fantastic to bummer, it's on the bummer end of that scale, I'd say. So anyway, shop owners come and they face their business like this and they don't know what their competitors are doing. Really? They just know that every now and then they get a piece of work that they need to fix from that shop that, Oh, it didn't work out well. They don't interact very much. And so because I am seeing all of these shops and let's say in Western North Carolina, I'm in and out of 300 shops comfortably. I see the good and the bad. I see the different ways people go about doing it. So it's very easy for me to come into a shop and say, listen, Jim, you're doing a great job on these tires and I know you do some muffler work, why are you not doing any brakes or alignments? Why have you decided that that's irrelevant for your business? And to help them understand, like I I can tell you about this shop two towns over that has taken the same kind of space as you guys, got roughly the same square footage, and he expanded by just doing a couple little tweaks. He works with his local parts house. They bring in consignment parts or whatever. They make it real easy for him and help people explore it that way in seeking out what I believe could be beneficial to the shop owner, we definitely have those conversations. Because again, a lot of times we're the frog in the pot of water, right? And we're just, we're so used to what we're doing day in, day out that we're not able to see other things going on. And again, especially if we're talking about the percentage of people that are being proactive in these trainings, there's a lot of folks who aren't, who don't have access to any of that kind of information. So it does put me in a position to help out a lot. If you're proposing a piece of equipment, irrelevant of the number, 10,000, 50,000, is part of what you want to do to help the individual decide, not necessarily on your brand or another brand, but on the economy of it, would you help them with a return on investment uh, calculator at all? Oh, 100%. Again, a beautiful resource we've got on Hunter.com helps people to explore that. Again, regardless of what brand or whatever you're considering, um, we have ROI calculators on there to explore it. There was a conversation on TikTok of all places, 
yesterday where I did a little post about alignment racks and things like that. And someone's talking about the cost of alignment equipment and how he could never pay that back. It would never work out over 10 years or whatever. It's funny. It's a, it's an absolute knee jerk reaction. When I hear people talk about that is that I, you haven't done the research for the ROI for whatever piece of equipment. In this case, it just happened to be alignment, but you probably haven't dug in real deep on what you can accomplish with those things. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun showing people the reality because we approach life and we're inhibited by our fears of things we don't understand yet. You know, if you're servicing 10 to 20 cars a day for sets of tires, you're putting on 10 to 20 sets of tires a day, then you've got probably 14 cars that need an alignment. You know, they're not all going to do it, but how many alignments would you need to do out of those 14 to feel like you were being productive and growing your business and taking really good care of your customers? Uh, the numbers go crazy pretty fast. Well, if it's 10 years uh, for the ROI and it's real because you did the numbers, then obviously the equipment shouldn't be purchased. But we think our gut sometimes pushes us in the wrong direction because we say, I'll never pay for that in 10 years. And it's relative to what's going on inside the business. If the business isn't making enough money, then the left pocket has a couple hundred bucks in cash in it that mama needs to have for groceries is the wrong way to do it. Right. It's interesting if I sell someone, if I help somebody invest in a piece of equipment and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do and it doesn't grow their business the way we've talked about it potentially growing their business, then they are going to resent me forever. And I'm in this for the long haul. But that being said, you watch businesses that they climb to a certain point and then there's that plateau, right? And they get stuck kind of here. Well, you're not going to get over that plateau till you either maybe you invest in a piece of equipment to allow you to be more efficient or you find another technician to do the work and increase your workflow and helping people see their sometimes they just don't see it. Sometimes they don't understand that's where they got themselves. It can be fun conversations as well. Or you hire a coach to take you to the next level because they will hold you accountable from your flatline. You don't want to be in your flatline. Right. Give you that perspective that you are missing out on. Yeah. Flatline means you're dead. You're not going anywhere, right? Hey, as a pacemaker user, I will say, yeah, you don't want a flatline. You don't want that. Oh, my God. I didn't know. I got robot parts. I'm ready to assimilate. I've got some metal in my heart, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Someone comes to you and you say, listen, uh, we've been talking about this equipment and, and doing some upgrades to your tire machine, your balancer, maybe even your alignment equipment. Justin, I'm probably going to sell the business in a few years. How often do you hear that? Often enough, right? You know, again, we look at the numbers of our industry and a lot of the older technicians are aging out and moving on. That's including a lot of these shop owners. And it definitely comes up. The equipment, here's the thing with your equipment, because it relates to this idea. You keep telling yourself that, and next thing you know, you will have worked 10 more years with a shop full of outdated equipment yep. that's all fallen apart, that all requires all kind of maintenance, and either you or your potential incoming shop purchaser is going to have a whole, a very large investment they're going to need to make to take it to the next level. And especially the way the business has been these last couple of years for folks, because the automotive industry has boomed in most cases, from what I've seen, despite COVID, in that moment where we all thought, oh, they're going to, nobody's going to drive anymore. We're all going to lock down and it'll get weird on us. And things after about four weeks just exploded. So all of that equipment has been really, really overworked. Hunt Emerist, who's a accountant CPA that only works for shops, has, has a, a show on the Aftermarket Radio Network. And I remember Hunt talking about this exact thing, which is why I asked you this. 
And he basically says, if you think you're wasting your money, you're not. You're really literally making your business more valuable to the new owner coming in because then they won't have to spend that money and they may just pay you a little bit more because the equipment's been updated. So training on new equipment, is it your responsibility or does does Hunter have some people that come in and help? So uh, Hunter specifically has training centers all over the country. So we have actual brick and mortar buildings where we do that. We try to send students there for alignment training or road force training or certainly more than more of the ADOS training these days as well. And so those classes are available. When I sell an alignment system, I try to incorporate that. If you want to send somebody to class, I'm going to pay for that. Let's get somebody over there so they can have the best experience possible. At the local level, though, again, there's about 400 of myself as far as sales reps in, West, in uh, North America and about 400 of the service technicians as well. So when it comes to in-house getting you familiarized with the equipment, we are very good at doing that because, um, again, we don't want you to have a bad experience with it. When it. But the classes are often about the fundamentals of things, like understanding the angles. Why do we need to make sure that our caster is laid out this way based on where you live and things like that? So that the classroom and shop time is more of the fundamental training. But, yeah, we cover people on the equipment. We try to. That's an interesting point. So anybody out there, if you're using your Hunter equipment and you feel like you're underutilizing it, we want to know. We want to help fix that because I see a lot of folks with, because you brought it up, a road force balancer out there that are not utilizing that technology to the fullest. And they've made a great investment in a powerful piece of equipment. And we are always happy to show up in their shops and help them learn more and be more comfortable with it so that they can truly be an expert, any of their technicians. We definitely want to help with that. I was so impressed with the uh, Road Force Balancer. It was a Tom Palermo out in Philly, and he had one. And he actually gave me a 15-minute demo. I says, you should be a hunter salesperson. He loved it so much. How do I spell his last name again? (laughs) Palermo. (laughs) Lots of vowels, lots of vowels. I was pretty impressed with how happy he was and the services that he could offer to his clients. Good stuff. Watch a TV news program for one hour and you're going to hear about economy, economy, economy and this recession thing. How do you see, I mean, what are you, what are you thinking about what your company's saying? What are your clients saying about investing into the future? In 2008, it was interesting news for our industry as those couple of years passed along that the average age of cars in North America was approaching the 10 year mark. I think that's what they were telling us in 2009, 2010, you know, as we were all figuring out the economy back then. And if I'm not mistaken, now the numbers I'm hearing are 12 years old as the average car ownership age now, right? For us in the moment, that's great news. Only because as we're educating our customers and helping them get the most use out of that car, and I'm a Dave Ramsey fan, I want people to drive them into the ground, you know, and get the most out of that investment, but it does require some upkeep. And is that upkeep less expensive than a $600 car payment every month? Sure, it probably is, but it keeps us busy in our shops. So when we hear about the average age of the cars on the road going up, that's always great for us in the aftermarket industry, I think, repairing the cars. I approach it that way. I'm definitely a silver lining kind of guy, and I don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know what all comes next, but for the time being, I think we're having an interesting ride. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I I thought of uh, people parting with their money. No matter how old the car is, do they have enough money when butter, I think it was four bucks for a box of four sticks of butter the other day, I almost fell over. 
I don't remember butter or milk or eggs being so expensive. And my point is, is I think that rocks the mind or the perception of the customer that when they want to go in for automotive service, and I'm not saying, trust me, we have a great industry. It's recession proof. We've done so well. I am just concerned as an influencer in the industry to get discussions like this out, no matter if they're the right answers or not. But we need to have these discussions about that. And it's not that I won't invest in the equipment. Maybe my ROI is not year and a half, two years. Maybe it's two and a half. But yet, that's still a great number, even if people won't part with their money. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I don't. when I go buy groceries, I don't understand for sure how a single parent family is doing that. You know, so that side of it is kind of alarming uh, or confusing, I guess, really, because yeah, it, is, it is intense. And this is one of those situations where there's two truths possible. The people who are driving to and from work, they got to keep those cars going, I guess. You know, so, yeah, as we explore it, because we're facing all those same challenges. You and I are buying groceries. Our employees are buying groceries or, you know, our technicians are buying groceries. And so they all face that stuff together. But, yeah, the equipment, when you talk about the ROI and the extended time frame on that, to me, it's mostly about stress reduction. What can a new piece of equipment do to allow me to be more efficient, to allow me to take care of those customers in a better way so that I can incorporate other things into my business? You know, like maybe we go back to the DVI possibility, right? Like if people aren't doing a good DVI, which is what our customers want these days, growing more and more, they want that visual so that they don't have to talk to us maybe you free up some more time with that because you've got a better piece of equipment doing something else. When I first came to Hunter, I assemble all my own demo equipment. That's not necessarily something I'm probably supposed to do, as, but it's something I enjoy doing. It allows me to understand the equipment better, allows me to take better care of my customers when I see that there's something loose that we could tighten up or whatever. And I took a lot of pride in it for years and doing it just by hand tools, right? Like as though I'm assembling a Lamborghini, right? All done by hand tools and all done very precise that way. And then sure enough, one year I decided about four years in that for Christmas, I deserved some power tools. I deserved, you know, my little set of 18 volt drivers. And holy cow, the time I suddenly saved on assembling equipment, it totally changed my perspective on it because it was a new piece of equipment that changed my personal business. And a lot of times that's the way it is. Uh, an upgraded tire changer, a better balancer that solves problems in a different way, alignment equipment that allows me to quit worrying about scratching rims or whatever. It frees up time that lets you run a better business and whatever that is. You need to make a few more phone calls. You need to write a few more thank you notes. You need to spend more time on that DVI. Then great, you can free up your time with some of that equipment. So yeah, when that ROI might take a little bit longer, maybe that process also freed you up to run a better business somehow too. So I'm doing my ROI. I'm on HunterEngineering.com. Uh, and you come back next week and say, hey, Carm, how's it going? Let's, let's keep talking about investing in this alignment machine. He says, hey, listen, I was on. And my ROI came out to be X. And the X is the key here. And say I say it came out at 3.5 years, Justin, what would you say to me? We would talk a little bit about how old you are and how long you plan to be in the business. I mean, I'm 47 years old. I'm going to still be out here working 10 or 15 more years. If I can make a complete return in three and a half years on that piece of equipment, and that piece of equipment has improved the lives of my technicians, as well as their ability to perform a job a little bit better and take better care of my customers, I got to consider that a go, or at least at least considering, right? And I, I'm not here to spend other people's money either. They have to decide what is best for their business. 
I tend to believe that in this environment that we're in today, if I can make my technician's life a little bit better, if I can reduce the strain and the stress on my technician to create the culture in the workplace that I want to keep people happy so that their friends want to come and work for me as well, I'm going to be considering that piece of equipment. So I'm 40 years old. I've got a business for 10 years. I know my accountant needs to be involved. Uh, I know my people need to be involved. But also you, that sees a much wider perspective as to what's going on in the industry. Is three and a half years based on my situation attainable or should it be more like three? And you got to prop up. You got to sell more alignments. The shorter ROI is always better, right? Who doesn't want to get it all paid out and handled that way? I think a healthy way to approach it to me is I hire a new technician and he's brilliant and I hope he's going to work for five years and I'm not going to pay him five years in advance. I'm not going to pay him that full five years, right? Every month, every week, he's going to get his paycheck. I'm going to pay him through those five years. If I have a piece of equipment that will do better than pay for itself, because let's say I finance it or you do cash and you depreciate it with your accountant, however you do it. If it's going to make me money faster or above and beyond making the payments on it, and improve those other variables, I think it's considered worthy of doing, you know? And so then it's really just a question of how much more does it improve the situation? I had a customer just yesterday, I was talking to him, who was considering buying another tire changer almost exactly like the one that he had, which is fine. It's a very functional tire changer. But if you go and invest in a new tire changer exactly like the one you have, what are the benefits you're going to experience? Your process is going to be exactly the same. Your stress level is going to be the exact same you're just going to be spending money again. To me, I don't necessarily feel like that's the best use of resources. But if I'm going to invest in something that is going to reduce that stress, it's going to make the process a little bit quicker. It's going to allow me to do something maybe I couldn't do. Let's say for tire traders specifically, let's say suddenly I can service 19 and a half inch wheels on service trucks much, much more easily, then I'm going to be excited about maybe looking for some fleet accounts. Maybe I'm going to expand my business that way. So the ROI incorporates a lot of different things to me. It's not necessarily just about time. It's about what, how else can I improve my life, my shop, my technician's experience. All of that, I think, has to be calculated into it. But yes, the shorter ROI, the better. Well said. I love that. Look for the opportunity inside the investment of your equipment. Hey, finally, I'd love to talk about technology. And, you know, maybe, hell, maybe you can't even tell me this. What's Hunter working on or what can we expect in the next couple of years with improvements in the technology side of equipment? Really, the Hunter side of equipment these days, if you look at the alignment processes and the ADOS things that we're doing and the tire changers and the balancers, everything we do is driven toward reducing errors, reducing errors for your technician. Along those lines, let's say the uh, the robo-tire machine. You've seen the robo-tire machine? Yes. Okay, right. So this awesome robot that's changing out tires on the sides of cars and, and fascinating stuff. And, and if I understand correctly, one of the large motivators for that was the idea of making sure that every lug nut is torqued appropriately. So we eliminate, in theory, if we have every lug nut torqued appropriately, then we eliminate the, the-, the fear of people driving down the street and a tire rolling on past them because that we have heard stories of that happening, right? It happened to my son once. Thank you. Exactly. So we know it happens. Robotire should eliminate those fears. That's the idea. So a lot, and by the way, watch the Robotire videos when you get a chance. They're using beautiful Hunter equipment in those videos. I love that. So the advancements that the Hunter equipment is making in the industry are very much geared toward that. How can we reduce technician error and create chaos for people? 
And we have a, the largest spectrum, I would say, of, of equipment, right? From the most fundamental basic rim clamp tire changer to the most advanced tire changers in the industry. And so on that full spectrum, you get a little bit of everything. But at the higher end of it, when we're looking at the braking, the newer technology, like you say, it's really about that. How can we make the make sure that the aligner is pointing out everything you need to know, right? Making sure that you're resetting things appropriately when you're done. How can we make tire changers that are going to automatically inflate the air to the right pressure for you while you're walking away doing some other things? How do we make a tire changer that we make sure doesn't break TPMS sensors? All of those kinds of things that are the small errors that humans make in the shop every day, which add up. They slow you down. Anything that's going to slow you down in a shop environment increases risk, increases cost, all that kind of stuff. So we try to make it as efficient and smooth operating as possible. I wish I could tell you we had robot monkeys that are going to start coming out of the cabinet to do the alignment work for you, but the robot monkeys are still in development. So we don't have those out just yet. Hey, I learned so much. Thank you. And you, you had mentioned 2008. Isn't that when you started with Hunter? That's when I started with Hunter. Yeah. I was at a Ford dealership where the, uh, the economy was tanking around us, right? And we were watching dealerships close left and right. And they shut down. This is why the quick lane comment came up earlier. They shut down the quick lane that I was managing. Just kind of sent everybody home. It was a wild time. You started at a really tough, tough time. That's right. At the bottom. I started at the bottom. So it was nowhere to go but up. And that was good. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what comes next. Justin Allen, Hunter Engineering. If you don't have him as a salesperson, just move your shop to North Carolina. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Piece of cake. Hey, I'm honored. Thank you so much for being here, man. My pleasure, Carm. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 